This episode is brought to you by Sync Bali 2022. More on that in a bit. But first, on with the show. a show where we discuss the biggest headlines to hit the startup scene with the journalists who broke the stories. My name's Nat, and today, we're going to talk about blockchain gaming juggernaut, Animoca Brands. The company's name is practically synonymous with the blockchain scene, and it regularly pops up on headlines with news of acquisitions, fundraising, and expansions. But little do most know that Animoca's $5 billion Web3 empire and its thrilling crypto success began with a delisting from the Australian Stock Exchange. My colleague, Deepti Sri, joins me for the story. Okay, so Deepti, what can you tell me about how Animoca Brands came about? So Animoca Brands, very interestingly, just started out as a mobile gaming company. The company's aim was just to create fun games for children. And it eventually got into blockchain and NFTs in 2017. At the time, the company was in the middle of finishing an acquisition of the studio called Fuel Powered, which is based in Canada. Mm. They shared an office with this other company called Axiom Zen. And they were co-developing this game called CryptoKitties. And CryptoKitties was what caught Animoca's I in the initial periods. Right. And at that time, the co-founder of Fuel Power was also asked to join Dapper Labs as a co-founder. And this is how Animoca kind of became a shareholder in Dapper Labs and CryptoKitties. And all of this happened by 2018. And this is when they realized that there's a lot of potential in NFTs and it's not really about just the money that the NFTs represented, but it represented digital property rights. And that's when they went all in and I don't think they looked back ever since then. Mm, okay. So actually prior to, uh, was it 2017, they hadn't dipped their toes into anything crypto or blockchain it was primarily a mobile gaming company. Yes, yes. They were a mobile gaming company. Mm. They also had their uh, games up on Apple, but then they were taken down from Apple and then they were eventually also delisted from the ASX, all because they were involved in crypto activities, which is still not very clear in regulation side. Mm, right. And can you explain why in particular that happened back then? And um why it was so severe that it actually got them delisted from the ASX? So the main reason why they did get delisted from ASX was solely because they delved into NFTs and crypto. Uh, because Animoca was listed on the ASX in Jan 2015, but its performance wasn't so great. And they had to repeatedly keep raising capital to kind of keep cash flow in place. They raised about $34 million in nine IPO rounds from wow. 2015 to 
2019. Yes, they had to keep raising capital to make sure there's funds for them to keep running. They had to pump up their portfolio by backing mobile games and e-books and VR and blockchain games and stuff like that. But despite backing all of them, their revenue wasn't really good. And that obviously reflected on their share price. Their share price also fell by about 95%. It was almost close to nothing. Mm. And by um, 2017, second half, when they were actively involved in crypto, they started, you know, facing a lot of pressure from ASX and they started issuing inquiries into their performance saying, hey, you're not doing very well. What's wrong with you? And then Animoca had to go through some reforms to kind of streamline their costs and boost their revenue. They restructured their director's pay. They sold a lot of non-core assets. They also laid off staff. Wow. Yes, it was. They took pretty drastic measures, but... I think what was a turning point for them was when they made their major investment in Sky Mavis. Sky Mavis is a developer of Axie Infinity, as we all know today. And at the time when they made this investment in 2019, Axie was already one of the top grossing games on the blockchain. This was when Animoca got like an inquiry letter from ASX and they warned Animoca about a delisting. Animoca did put up a fight against ASX when ASX alleged them of internal governance issues, involvement in crypto activities. And this obviously also had like trading irregularities within their stocks. There was a high amount of trading volume on some days. And we should remember that ASX was at that point very skeptical about crypto and did not support crypto activities at all. So this was a direct conflict of interest for them. As for internal governance issues, Animoca did acknowledge that there was a little bit of, you know, irregular practice in its operations, but they never disclosed details. Ultimately, after putting up a fight and going back and forth in negotiations with ASX, they had no other choice. So they had to delist themselves from the ASX. So after their delisting, that kind of uh, fueled their blockchain ambitions, right? They focused more on the development and expansion of their own assets. They started their growth from within. They launched their SAND token on Binance, and then they launched the REF token of its F1 Delta game. And they also kept increasing their NFT pledge mining and NFT auctions going live. They obviously acquired games and crypto projects at a much faster pace. And while Animoca spent its initial years in the crypto industry expanding its resources, more recently, it's been reaching out to more crypto firms and investing them by building a massive ecosystem around NFTs and the metaverse. We'll be right back. want to connect with Southeast Asia's top tech leaders? Curious on how to navigate today's macroeconomic challenges? Then you need to come to Sync Bali 2022, Tech in Asia's exclusive conference organized in partnership with AppWorks. There, you'll get to learn, problem solve, and uncover tangible solutions to your startup's roadblocks with the best of Asia's tech community. Find out more and apply for an exclusive invite now at sync.techinasia.com. 
you won't want to miss it. Now, back to the show. Now, all this talk about ecosystem, um, obviously we do have to acknowledge the fact that not only has blockchain technology and particularly blockchain gaming been booming in recent years, following, of course, Animoca Brands delisting from the ASX, but now there's a lot of talk as well about the Web3 space. Is Animoca Brands also looking into those spaces? Um, and I guess, how does it see the opportunities in that industry? So Animoca is definitely looking into everything Web3 today. It has a really vast portfolio. If you if you look at all the companies they've been backing from the last few years, they're actively involved in blockchain gaming and they've they've they're spread across esports and multiple metaverses, guilds, very interestingly, art. And it's not just limited to gaming, but they're also looking at services that support and that can be uh, integrated within gaming. For example, marketplaces and decentralized finance and crypto wallets. And obviously, there's a lot of infrastructure involved to build all of these services. So they've backed infrastructure companies as well. And it's I think it's wide portfolio is what makes it one of the biggest winners in the recent NFT and metaverse concept craze. Right, right. Now, there are a couple of comparisons being drawn with Animoca Brands and other notable companies, notable empires even. Um, Firstly, people are drawing comparisons between Animoca Brands and Tencent. Now, could you explain that comparison and why people see that similarity between the two companies? Absolutely. So I think we compared um, Animoca brands with Tencent because of their acquisition and investment strategy. They both have made really sharp bets in the digital entertainment industry. Initially, Tencent bought stakes in Riot Games and Supercell, and that's when it also became one of the largest, if not the largest, game publisher by revenue. They've both established synergies within their businesses that complement their overall business. For example, when we talk about Tencent's acquisition of China Music Group, they acquired a 56% market share in the music streaming market, surpassing Alibaba's Xiaomi. And this was very similar to how Animoca made its decision to acquire Pixel. Pixel was this game developer. And that is what we know as the sandbox today. And its, it's token sand is among the top tokens in terms of market cap among GameFi coins today. Mm. So I think that's... Uh, one of the ways in which uh, we can see that their acquisition and investment strategies are all linked together to kind of make sense of their overall business. And right now, uh, Animoca is building its own network effect through its investments. So network effect is when the value of a company's services increases because of an increase in the number of users. So when there's an increase in the number of users, it's obviously going to add financial value to the group. Right. So with a lot of acquisitions like this, they're they're bringing in more users on their platform, thus increasing their financial net worth. Animoca has been very smartly investing in all of these crypto projects at even a very small funding round or a very small value. For example, it's invested in Kiki Trade. 
and Gusto Collective. All of these are very small crypto startups, but they're also pushing its economy ambitions within the Web3 space. So Tencent's also very famous for employing this strategy because when you look at Pinduoduo, they had a lot of special integrations with WeChat and that's how they increased their network effect. Right, right. There's also this comparison being drawn between Animoca Brands and SoftBank. Mm -hmm. And particularly with this practice of Kiretsu. Uh, Could you explain that concept of Kiretsu and why in particular Animoca Brands is is reminiscent of SoftBank? Absolutely. So just to clear out the jargon, firstly, Kiretsu is when different companies in in, in a portfolio of a larger company help build synergies among themselves. Somehow the the services of one company helps build or develop the services of another company. And this is very important for a company with a big portfolio like SoftBank or Animoca, where they have multiple companies. They have to make sense to Animoca at the end because when you're acquiring companies and making investments at such a large scale, they need to be able to complement each other for them to be able to optimize costs. And that's exactly what Kiritsu means. And that's the approach that both of them, Animoca and SoftBank, have followed. For example, if you take Animoca, they've invested in this company called iCandy Interactive and they own nearly a 13.6% stake in the company. And iCandy Interactive owns this company called Lemon Sky Studios, which is an animation and game development company. So right now, what's happening within their portfolio is Lemon Sky Studios is working with Sandbox to develop their ecosystem, to develop the animations within Sandbox's ecosystem. So that's how in sync they are with each other's um, each other's services. That's how they make full use of their services. Sandbox and Animoca are constantly looking at promoting other companies within their portfolio, using their services to up their games. So this is is what is an example of how they're using Kiritsu. But when we look at this approach of Kiritsu and how it's being used by big names, it's also got to be considered with a little bit of skepticism Mm. because at the end of the day, I think what matters is how it plays out in terms of an outcome, in terms of its reach, in terms of its financial numbers. Because when Masayoshi Son adopted this practice, he did pay a huge price for making all of these uh, big bets on loss-making companies and growth at all costs strategies. We obviously know the famous WeWork saga that our SoftBanks backed that didn't go as well. So when you're looking at somehow pushing the development of companies within your portfolio, I think companies need to be mindful at some point that there needs to be a clear line for what works for which company. Their need to push for a strategy must not be as form as the game or the project in itself. If you look at SoftBank's portfolio companies, say Coupang or Didi or K Holdings, all of them were big names in their portfolio, which were driving growth, but they've all gone to be the biggest drags of SoftBank at the end of the day. 
it's it's also a very interesting comparison to make because in this kind of a management approach when you're backing companies at all costs animoca and softbank have also backed companies that have gone through a hard period for example animoca has obviously backed um axie infinity and we all know that axie went from its big meteoric rise in 2021 worth billions of dollars in trades millions of daily players to this financial freefall in the recent months and despite all of this animoca did back skymavis when it did go through a hack on its ronin wallet and that's when we spoke to animoca and asked them what their logic behind backing skymavis at a period like this was and that's when they said if you don't back your portfolio companies during difficult times you also shouldn't be expecting a lot from them when they're putting out great numbers and great results and softbank as we all know has done exactly this So we're seeing a very cordial approach within their portfolio companies where all of these companies treat each other like they belong to a family. Mm-hmm. And now obviously with all this comparisons being drawn to these uh the SoftBank empire, the Tencent gaming empire, um it seems like Animoca Brands is becoming an empire of its own. One that you wrote is worth about 5 billion dollars. Can we talk about those ambitions that Animoca Brands has now like where is it headed what is its primary objective now mm-hmm. uh, as a company so uh, like i mentioned animoca right now is is mainly focused on acquiring as much digital rights as possible and animoca's massive 5 billion valuation has a lot to do with its ability to identify its bets at an early stage and um, if you look at um andreessen horowitz they've invested in similar companies that animoca has invested in but they came in at a later round and animoca has invested very early on and when vc firms like andreessen come in at a very very late stage they're overpaying for what you could have got at a lot cheaper valuation this doesn't mean that they're irresponsible but there it just means that different companies have to different risk appetites and calculated risk appetites have always worked well for animoca so now they've backed down as one of these companies that invest actively in the seed and series a investors and they call themselves as operating capital companies and not financial capital companies mm. and i think it was also um really helpful to them that they built very early uh, relationships with digital brands and so on they could use these brands to then bring them into nfts and blockchain when they started out they obviously all these companies said yeah sure we can try this partnership but today after they've proved their worth they work with hundreds of brands some are announced and some are unannounced as per our numbers and the calculations but their strategy to invest in the metaverse shows how um, how actively they are making calls every single day to be part of the industry at a bigger level for example if you look at adidas i think it's a very interesting example because um when they onboarded adidas 
they did not only um, buy land on Sandbox and create a presence for themselves, but they also bought the board apes and basically worked with other parties within their ecosystem. And the result that this company got was pretty smart because at the end of the day, they are building an ecosystem. And when you look at providing one service, you only get as much value. But when you are helping uh, a company like Adidas, pitch in with other services, they get all of their services at one place and they are investing more heavily and Animoca is obviously their one-stop destination then. Right, right. Now, with the crypto bear market on the horizon, mm-hmm. actually probably already here, mm-hmm. um, how do you think Animoca brands and its portfolio companies, well, Animoca brands and, and the brands that it's acquired, the games it's operating, mm-hmm. how do you think all of that will fare in the uh, bear market that's coming? So um, the recent crypto downturn, I think it's part of the cycle because Web3 is right now still at a very nascent stage. It's obviously um, vulnerable to price adjustments because of a lot of external factors. But I think I am slightly bullish on Web3 uh, personally because I think the way people look at Web3 today is very different from how people looked at Web3 about 10 years ago or even five years ago. The use cases are increasing by the day. Sure, there's a lot of hype around a lot of projects. There's a lot of projects today that we're seeing that don't make a lot of sense. And like the dot-com bubble, I think there'll be a set of projects that will survive that do manage to prove their worth in a crypto down market even. Uh, this is when we kind of really get to see what actually adds financial value to a user. I think this is a good time to assess what services are actually needed and what services are part of the hype that goes around for NFTs and crypto and the metaverse. It's also worth noting that the space is really young. And while a lot of people have a negative view of the metaverse and don't really see how it works, it's only time that can tell how much of adoption there really will be in the coming times. There could be a lot of newer use cases we see, a lot of um, utility that's coming out of it. It could be a game changer, but I definitely think that Animoca is going to be on top of its game because of how spread out they are in this ecosystem. When you're as spread out as Animoca is, you're bound to have at least a few winners in your portfolio. Thank you so much, Dipti. Thanks, Nat. For more stories on Animoca brands and all the other leading startups across Asia's tech and startup scene, visit techin.asia/sub to become a Tech in Asia subscriber. Or you could also subscribe to this podcast where we're running deep dives every month. But that's it for this episode. Special thanks to Deep 3 for joining me. Let me know if you liked it or if you have any particular stories you'd like to hear us talk about. You can send us an email at podcast at or comment wherever you're listening from. We'd love to know what you think. Till next time, my name's Nat. Thanks for listening.